The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Dear all, today we are going to start our Dhamma discussion. So, some of you are already familiar with the series of discussions that I'm giving here, and some of the faces are new. Uh, so, as Brother explained uh, before, I'm a Venerable Pasadika, and you can call me easily Bhante Pasadika. Uh, currently, I uh, teach at the Damso Meditation Center in Bandura. So, these days we are talking about meditation and uh, how to apply these teachings of Lord Buddha uh, to practice meditation into a better level or develop meditation into a better level. So when you look at the subject of meditation, this is uh, an ancient subject. Not only Buddhists practice meditation. Meditation is practiced by a lot of other ancient teachers. That's a very good example during Buddha's time. Even Lord Buddha, before he reached the enlightenment, he was in search of different meditation methods and techniques. So he went for teachers. We have heard the names Suddha Karamaputta and Alara Kalama. These are the teachers who taught meditation back then. So those teachers taught him the meditation. According to the, the Buddhist text, it's like the knowledge of Lord Buddha was so stable and his knowledge was supreme because of that when the teachers mentioned the name of the stable concentration levels, he managed to develop his mind up to that level. He was that keen and he was that uh, talented as Bodhisattva before he reached the Enlightenment. So that provides us the evidence that up to the eighth level of stable concentration were available among other teachers to teach. And other teachers gave that knowledge to other students in their groups. They, they teach them, they, they give the knowledge of uh, the stable concentration levels all the way up to the eighth stable level. So which means uh, almost you know, 90% of the concentration methods were there. But not Vipassana. The Vipassana part came only through the Buddhist teachings. Lord Buddha is the first one who introduced the Vipassana techniques to the world and also introduced the Samatha techniques, uh, concentration methods with a different approach. We use the word samaditti, the correct view, the correct vision, the correct idea. He gave that concentration methods with the understanding or with the uh, intellect of vision. So you know what type of path that you're following right now and based on that path you're practicing the concentration. That, that's the main intention of teaching uh, noble eightfold path. So whatever you do, you practice that pathway according to the correct view, samaditi. So, so then that provides us a very good uh, picture about the early Buddhist era of Lord Buddha's time. That the society was multicultural, like today in Melbourne. Before Buddha's time. There were very popular teachers. There were six of them. Six popular teachers were there. Purana Kasapa, 
పకుతు కచ్చాయన మక్కలీ గోసాల్ సంజయ్ బేలట్టపుత్ తిస్ అద్దకేస్ కంబల్ అండ్ నిఘట్నాథపుత్ దే ఆర్ సిక్స్ నేమ్స్ సో దోస్ ఆర్ నాట్ ఫ్యామిలీ విత్ ద పాలి యూ కెన్ జస్ట్ ఫర్గెట్ అబౌట్ ద నేమ్స్ లేదు యూ కెన్ సెర్చ్ ఆన్లైన్ దీస్ దే వర్ సిక్స్ టీచర్స్ సో వెన్ లార్డ్ బుద్దా వాస్ వెన్ లార్డ్ బుద్దా ఇన్ లైట్న్ బిఫోర్ హీ హీస్ ఎన్ లైట్మన్ దే వర్ సిక్స్ అదర్ టీచర్స్ వర్ రియలీ పాపులర్ ఆల్సో థాట్ మెడిటేషన్ ఆల్సో థాట్ different type of pathways to uh, liberation so they each and every one of have one of them have their own definition of liberation so there were six so i'll i'll just read the names again if it is too difficult you can just forget about it but remember there were six teachers oldest were considered as uh, puranakasapa his name was puranakasapa was the oldest uh, teacher back then and then ajitakesa kambala pakuda kachayana purana sanjay belata putta tisa and then makkali gosala and nigatnatha putta maybe you have heard those names if you are familiar with the buddhist talks sometime those names appear in some stories so what i wanted to say the society was more of a mixture of all these different teachings the six names that i just explained are only belong to the shraman traditions which mean the people who practice uh, people who develop their mind based on meditation people who practice meditation people who are talking about a kind of liberation and then that there were another teachings they were very popular that's the brahmin's teaching the early brahmin teachings so the brahmin brahmanism was also very popular during that time so then when lord buddha was born and when he reached the enlightenment when he start teaching there were already lot of other teaching systems in the society that established very well and some uh, those days uh, the proper establishment we mean the support from the royal family so most of the royal uh, members supported those teachers way before lord buddha reached the enlightenment so according to the information if you look at the 6th century bc we can say buddhism is the la- latest uh, or newest teaching system that talk about meditation and pathway but was unique the way that lord buddha approach was unique that's why people attract start reaching start getting the attraction start uh, learning more about buddhism and start uh, practicing buddhism more and more so then there were some conflicts also there but at the same time uh, we can we have lot of stories and lot of uh, information about the conflicts because they are popular but also there are some information about uh, the harmonious living style in between all those different teachings teachers and also uh, followers like if you read sutta you can see that sometime lord buddha have visited their monasteries they call them ajivakaram titta tittayatana which mean tirthaka was the name commonly we recognize them as tirthakas so uh, lord buddha used to visit their centers and talk to them about their teachings and then introduce buddhist teachings to them they were like a friendly discussion not always to convert them into buddhist some of them accept buddha's idea some of them did not and uh, like 
there were no hard feeling about it like they they there's there are no such thing as converting someone into buddhism there's no way to do that long time ago in i think 2008 uh or 2009 and 8 or 9 i forgot exactly 8 maybe the the current uh organizer in uh in France who's organizing dharma talks in France uh, Mr Lauren uh he came to Sri Lanka and this is the first time that i met him so he uh wanted to convert to a buddhist so he was looking for a meditation monastery and then he was looking for a teacher to meditate so he came to our monastery and asked me to convert him to a buddhist so i was a young monk at that time just like few months as a monk so i'm the there were another one more monk there in the monastery who speak english so i was confused because i don't know how to convert someone to buddhism <laughs> so i thought there's a method just i'm just like 3 or 4 months as a monk now so as a samanera so i didn't know how to convert this person to a buddhist so i consulted the other senior monk he also didn't know so he consulted another monk and he he also wanted to know that the, this particular argument or this particular met, uh, the message went all the way to a very senior monk and he called me and within like half an hour or something he called me and say there's no way to convert no? just give him five precepts so i say okay there's no way to convert into buddhism and he, he again asked me like are, are you sure or you don't know how to convert me to buddhism i say no no i i'm pretty sure there's no way to convert Uh, you can just take five precepts and that's that's it so then anyway he took five five precepts and then uh then later on when i study more i recognize actually there's no way to convert even even you yourself can't convert yourself to a buddhist permanently because the the the, the vision that you have the ideology that you have can change any time unless you reach the sotapanna level only that level we can say okay now i'm stable in the pathway perfectly so i won't change until that there's no way to no way that you can stay uh, in that path they perfectly so uh, if you if you so if you study this into a deeper level you understand that there's no such thing like buddhist because lord buddha did not bring up that idea or bring up the label and say that this is the group of buddhist and you should be buddhist and like that he didn't give, give such an idea he just teach the pathway you can have your label whatever you are doesn't matter this is just a pathway for us to practice you can keep all the labels with you but if you develop the qualities then the benefits will be there so it's like uh, the most simple example people ask me a lot of uh, they'll argue about this matter like identity of a buddhist of course we have a cultural identity like the sri lankan group here sri lankans have the sri lankan cultural identity in the cultural identity we have buddhism there thai in the thai culture they have the thai cultural identity myanmar cultural identity is there so each and every uh, culture they have their own identity and sometime in the cultural identity you have buddhism there that's a different thing we respect that but if you look into buddhist philosophy and theory and teaching system directly practice directly then there's no space for identity actually we are trying to remove the identity of self so if you try to remove the identity of self if you're trying to look at the non selfness so being anatta so we can't really recognize a religious identity or like that um also like if you if you look into the, this this is again i don't want to bring this to like more philosophical or the- theoretical argument but if you look in look at the buddhist teaching system we can't easily fit buddhism into religion or into philosophy because buddhism do not 
have all the characteristics and uh, we can't define in such a way. But in that case, we had to be practical. So if in the future, if there's an application form that you had to fill, what is your religion? And you had to tick something. So you can't write that, no, no, Buddhism is not a religion or philosophy. I'm in between this and that. You can't write that in the application. So you just have to write your religion as Buddhism. So you don't have any option. So now we just, just recognize religion as a Buddhism, if you practice, if you follow. Just want to categorize yourself because for the legal purposes. Otherwise, if you look into the teachings, it's like yoga. Like these days, if you practice yoga, you don't have to change your religion. You don't have to change your beliefs. You don't have to change anything. Maybe the clothes, of course. Some clothes you can't practice yoga. Only thing that you have to change is clothes to practice yoga. But uh, when you look into Buddhist teaching system, it's almost exactly the same. You don't have to change anything to develop these qualities. As an example, if you are getting angry, to practice loving kindness and compassion, you don't have to change anything. Maybe you have to change your attitude sometime. Otherwise, nothing else. And if you are overly attached to things, if you want to change that, <clears throat> if you are suffering with that, then practicing asub meditation or related meditation like that, you don't have to change anything. Just have to apply the techniques and practice. If you if you if you have like you know uh, if you are stressed out, if you're depressed, or if you uh, feel like you have a lot of ego and you can't really easily get on get along with people, then simple meditation techniques can help you to get out of that. Simple meditation techniques can change yourself and arrange yourself in a proper way and develop your mind into a better level and give you more wider understanding, can see the broad picture of the society by practicing. So it's such a simple ideology in the basic level. So that's the reason during Buddha's time uh, <clears throat> you can see some of the characters they did not really make being a Buddhist a big deal. They took the practice seriously. They practiced very seriously. They didn't break precepts. They practiced diligently. They listened to Dhamma talks. They went to the, uh, Lord Buddha or to the monks to listen to Dhamma talks and practice every day. They continued that practice. But they did not fight for the identity. They fight for their own desire. They fight for their own anger and own delusion. That works very well. If you look into Anatha Pindika's uh, daughter, Anatha Pindika is the closest devotee Lord, to Lord Buddha. Every day he visited Lord Buddha. So Anatha Pindika is the uh, chief devotee of Lord Buddha, actually. He had that uh, statement given by Lord Buddha. And he is the one who spent the highest amount of money wealth, time, effort, and everything for the Buddha Sasana during that time. So even though his daughter was married to a Jain family, so imagine such a thing in today's world. Hmm? We won't consider such thing. But those days he did not. He didn't consider that. He, he was a Sotapanna person who reached the first attainment. His daughter was married to a Jain family. And daughter even didn't like that. Hmm? It looks like that she was forced to marry, but anyhow, she didn't like the, uh, the, the, the things that the family have done. She, she also didn't like to participate with the uh, offering ceremony also, but she was married. And later she uh, managed that problem, and then Lord Buddha advised her. 
his advice also like that no? like lord buddha didn't advise her, okay okay so you should boycott all the uh, jain uh, monks who come to your monk uh, to your house you should not help your husband to do all these things he didn't say that he was supportive towards her family and he said no it's okay whatever your family members believe let them believe that whatever you believe keep your identity or keep your belief in your yourself and practice it's okay so there were a lot of other stories like that the friends who were uh, who worked together who stayed together but had different beliefs that's okay as long as you respect each other's beliefs i think that is very important for today's world in modern society in our society especially for a multicultural society is very important to respect to what the other person is believing this is a little bit difficult when it comes to youngsters sometimes like like i heard a lot of stories from uh young uh, community especially now adults uh, young adults group they they like the freedom they like respecting others beliefs but they criticize their parents beliefs <laughs> that is not the same thing so if you res- if you want others to respect your belief you should do the same to the other the other way around i don't see much young adults here but at least there maybe we might watch this in youtube one day it should be the other way around as well if you want others to believe what what you believe or others others respect what you believe you should do the same to others you should not complain when your parents go to temple and listen to dhamma talks you should not complain now oh, you all school i don't like this style and this and that that's the kind of discrimination it should be the same respect should be there okay you like to listen to dhamma talk you like to meditate okay i respect that maybe i'm not ready for that at the moment maybe i'll i'll, I'll look at look about it later so you should not criticize in that manner because each and every one of us understand things in a different way because of our upbringing education understanding level of wisdom level of concentration a lot of other things are there so we can't match all these uh, things together each and every one of us are different if we can respect that different then that will be a very comfortable and easy environment for us to meditate there were two friends during buddha's time sirigutta and garhadinna they were really good friends until the religious tension uh, involved in between them they were really good friends garhadinna was a jaina devotee follower of nigatanatha putta and sirigutta is a buddhist devotee follower of lord buddha so sirigutta used to go to chetavana uh, monastery more often and used to listen to dhamma talks of lord buddha or other monks used to participate into different uh, offering ceremonies and this and that and garhadinna was also the same he also used to go to uh, uh, niganta temples and then uh listen to dhamma talks so they spend their life happily they were really good friends they they saw each other and then they met e- they met with each other more often mukada ne are you all right okay sorry she fell down okay should be okay okay i sure are you okay no yeah. okay sure So 
So Siriguta and Garhadina, they met each other uh, more often and talk about the Dhamma matters sometime and talk about their day-to-day stuff. They didn't influence each other or force each other to practice each other's beliefs. Until one day, Garhadina was advised by one of his uh, master to convert Siriguta into a, a Niganta's follower. That's how the tension starts. Until that, they were really good friends. Until that, the religion that they believe, the practice that they were practicing were not a big problem. They were good friends. And then what happened? In the beginning, Garhadina didn't like that. He didn't want to involve his friend into this religious argument. He just he was happy with the friendship that they were maintaining. But unfortunately, the master gave that little pressure, so the Garhadina decided to convince his uh, friend to come to listen to Niganta's Dhamma talks. So then what happened, he started slowly influencing his friend to come to his monastery, come to his place and listen to his master's talk and this and that. But Sirigutta didn't like that. He straight away said that, please, our friendship is enough. We are good friends. Let's maintain our friendship in this manner. Don't bring religion in between this. But the Garhadina didn't listen to that. He keep on uh, applying pressure slowly, slowly, slowly towards his friend to listen to his master's talk. And then later he said, okay, of course you are saying that, hmm? I'll do that. But I want to confirm one thing. What are the abilities of your masters? And he said, oh, our masters have all the abilities. They can see the present, past and future very clearly. They know everything. Hmm? So they have divine powers and abilities. They can see the uh, past, present and future and everything. So they are perfect. And then he said, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. Okay, so please go do one favor for me. Go and ask for my teacher that whether you have all the abilities and powers and everything to know what is going on in the future, what is going, what happened in the past and what is going on in the present moment. And he said, okay, I'll ask that. So he went back to his master and asked from the his Niganta master, uh, asked him that, uh, do you have all the uh, abilities of practicing or uh, can you see the future, can you see the past, can you see the present moment, can you see everything around you? And then uh, the master said, yes, I can. Okay. So he went back to his friend and said, okay, master said that he can see the future and everything. Okay. So if he can see the future and everything, I would like to invite him and his followers to my house for a lunch. Lunch dana. This is because of the pressure that applied by his pressure, his friend. Because under his pressure, now he can't avoid it because of the friendship. So he said, okay. So then they decide, discuss for a date, fix a date for the dana, a lunch offering. So the group of uh, monks or the Niganta, Niganta's followers came to his house. But he did not prepare any food at that day. He wanted to check whether these monks or whether these followers can really see their future. Instead of that, actually, he did something not really acceptable because this is not under Lord Buddha's advice or any other monk's advice. And also, uh, Siddhagutta was not a a person who reached the Sotapanna level. He was just a follower who went to Lord Buddha's talk or listened to talks. But he was a little bit frustrated with his friend's proposal. 
he was a little bit annoyed by that. He just wanted to teach a lesson to his friend. So uh, the thing that he's about to do is not advised by Buddhist uh, Buddhism or by Lord Buddha. Mm-hmm. And he, it, this is the uh, deliberate act of uh, Sirigutta, not advice under Lord Buddha or anyone. So then what happened? Uh, the same day morning, his friend Garhadin, the giant follower, he came to Sirikutta's house and asked, uh, how about the food and everything? And he didn't say food is ready. He showed him the kitchen. There were empty pots covered by white clothes. Looks like food is ready, but there were no food in there. And then he looked at the place that they arranged for the uh, offering. It's something like this, like a stage that you sit on the stage and then you eat there and the people offer from uh, other, other direction. So then they, he actually dig a hole in that area, like a, one line, like a drainage line, and then he put mud into that thing and then put some cow dung and everything and then mix it up and then put some uh, uh, sandal oil or something to cover the smell up. And then he covered it up with a specific type of wood. And he said that it's like a trap. Like imagine the platform is organized for 50 so if 50 people sit on that particular platform, the weight will break the entire platform. That's, that was the trap. So 49 people can't break that. If 50 people sit there exactly, then all of them will uh, fall into that trap. So he arranged that in such a way. So, but he did not actually want to hurt them because he wanted to test whether they have. So now everything is ready. So the master and his followers came into the house. Before they enter, he went and uh, he showed the respect because they are shamans. He showed the respect and he said, Dear Master, can you see the past, present and future and everything? Master said, yes, I can see. Okay, so I'm asking you again. If you only can see your future, the dana is there for you. If you can't see the future, there's no dana for you. He said, of course I can see the future. Let's go in then. He went inside and 49 of them sat on the platform and the last person sat on the platform. They all, the entire platform broke and they all fell into that pit. Uh, so then people knew they didn't know about their future because he warned about their future immediately before they sit there. So then, uh, like most of the people who gathered there, uh, like make fun out of that. This is not something that we appreciate, not something that we recommend to do. Hmm? This is not uh, practiced by, this is not something that should practice by Buddhists, but they, he did it anyway. Hmm? So then, uh, people who gathered there recognized, okay, these masters could not see their future. And Sirigutta was happy because his, his trick worked, but Garhadina was not. He was so angry. He was so angry because, of course, he respected his master, he don't want his master and his teachers to fall into such a uh, situation. So he was not happy about it. He was very angry about it. He didn't talk to Sirigutta for a long time. Their friendship broke. And then they were not friends anymore. And then they didn't see each other after that. So a few months or maybe a few years after that, um, slowly Sirigutta and Garhadina both forget about what happened there. They did not uh, like you know, meet each other for a long time. So also the master advice, uh, you should be friend with him again. 
and you should do the same thing to lord buddha and his devotees and his disciples so now he took the master's advice seriously so slowly slowly he start building the friendship with his friend again and he says it's okay just forget about the past let's be friends again so the sirigutta was like a person who did not really keep that keep those kind of things in his mind for a long time so he said okay no problem let's be friends again so they were like friends for again for another year or two slowly their friendship they maintained their friendship very well after like few months or few years it's a time for garahadinna to take the revenge now he started a discussion about lord buddha and whether lord buddha is good and that this and that so now when these kind of questions appear of course sirigutta is a buddhist devotee he start replying with buddhist uh, ideology buddhist theories and he said oh really lord buddha teach such things yeah lord buddha is the one who's like uh, he have reached the enlightenment he teach this and this and that all right so can he see the future and past and everything of course there's a term there's a word there's a name that we Uh, recognized lord buddha called sarvajna knows everything in pali we call sabbanyu which means he knows he knows everything and about the knowledge of past and knowledge of present and knowledge of future of course buddhism always encourage us to monitor the present moment so knowledge about the present is always there if you develop yourself uh, you level up to abhijna level like into the high level then there is a possibility you can see the future and the past and read others minds as well i say of course you lord buddha have mastered all these techniques of course he can i say okay no problem he just let it go for a while and then slowly slowly he start listening to things about lord buddha and uh, they talk about each other's beliefs and then then one day he say looks like lord buddha is a nice person why don't you invite him to our house to house dana now sirigutta was a little bit careful because he's he's not a stupid he know that something is going to happen he said okay i'll talk to lord buddha i'll get back to you he went back to lord buddha and said dear lord buddha uh, i have done something wrong this is a wrong wrong thing that i have done i didn't inform this to you before i'm sorry for that and lord buddha didn't ap- appreciate that so but now i can't avoid this my friend is inviting you for a dhamma talk uh, for a lunch dana something can happen there so please please excuse excuse me for that he might go for the revenge so uh, it's my mistake but can you accept the dana can you accept the offering and then lord buddha say okay yes i'll accept the dana i'll accept the offering he accepted and then now is the turn for the garahadinna to perform he did the same thing he was even worse his plan was worse he arranged like a trap in the in front of the gate uh, it's like also he dig a hole there and then he put type of burning uh, charcoal something like that is burning uh, uh, charcoal it's specific type according to the text is like a type that do not uh, uh, like emit a lot of smell and uh, the smoke and also he 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 dig another tunnel from that place to another place for the oxygen to come in so he arranged like a ventilation system so the the fire remain in in like a mild temperature not really a very high because if it is very high temperature then whatever on the top will burn so he arranged the temperature in that way by using a ventilation system so everything was like covered and then he covered it by a uh, another 
small woods and then put sand on it so if someone step on it they will it'll break and the people will uh, the person who step will fall into the uh, burning wood or burning charcoal so he arranged that in that way he did the same thing uh, for the lunch uh, where they where they eat he arranged a platform underneath the platform he put mud and cow dung and all these uh, things there and arranged like a pit and then if uh, around 100 monks sit there then he arranged that platform to break and all of them fall into the pit so he also didn't cook any food also covered all the uh, pots by white clothes and arranged it. now the trap is ready revenge is ready so but sirigutta know that lord buddha have a lot of meritorious deeds no one cannot like uh, like harm him uh, there's uh, uh, there's a there's a specific uh, uh, explanation by lord buddha that no one can touch his life not only our lord buddha or any lord buddha he, no one can harm their life only when lord buddha decide this is the time for me to leave when he recognize the uh, lifespan of lord buddha then he state himself this is the end of my life i will pass away within 3 months or 3 years or something like that but no one can take his life the same way uh, no one can harm lord buddha in such a way and sirigutta knew about it so he he was at least he had a relief about this matter So Lord Buddha came to uh, Garhadina's house. He went to the gate and welcomed Lord Buddha and asked him to come in. Now, if you put the first step into that particular ground, that is a frayed ground. That's a trap. He will fall into that uh, burning wood or the charcoal pit. So, when Lord Buddha put put his first step into that, a huge lotus appeared in front of that. Uh, that particular pit and he step on the lotus and then he step to the ground so he missed that so each and every monk follow that lotus no one none of them fell into the pit so garhadina was surprised with that because of the knowledge of lord buddha and the power of his uh, spiritual ability no one can harm him and then later they all went into the uh, platform to eat they all sat in the platform nothing happened to the platform it was like a solid earth nothing happened didn't break now the garhadina is embarrassed because lord buddha managed to came in he didn't fall into the first trap second trap is not working anyhow and now he don't have food to offer he felt so bad about it and then he asked forgiveness from lord buddha and say please i'm so sorry I didn't know that you had all these abilities and I know that you are such a powerful person but we don't have any food. Lord Buddha said go to the kitchen and open the pots and see. Mm-hmm. Each and every pots were filled with different type of foods. Then they opened the pot and share the food with Lord Buddha and all the monks and the people who gathered there. So now Garhadina was uh, like a little bit upset about it. so he went to lord buddha and say i'm sorry about what i have done i have done it as a revenge to what your devotee has done and lord buddha said that i don't appreciate your action or his action as well both of you 
both of these actions are not recommended or not appreciated by buddhist practitioners buddhism buddha do not appreciate any of them but i'm glad that you uh, forgive that you uh, apologize and i'm going to forgive you and i'm glad that you have you know, enough courage to uh, face this uh, problem and then garhadin and sirguta both became lord buddha's disciples in their practice so that explains that the environment that we create is very important for us to create a proper and peaceful environment if we create uh environment to argue all the time environment to uh find out mistakes all the time environment to find the perfections all the time then it's not easy for us to develop meditation into a better level then we will lose the ability to practice because in buddhism as i mentioned in the beginning it's not about recognizing or it's not about the identity it's about liberating yourself each and every one of us are individually responsible for the actions that we have done and now at the moment we are responsible for the things that we are doing right now karma and vipaka right so each and everything that we are doing right now is a karma and we have done things are vipaka so then we are responsible for the things that we have done and we are responsible for the things that we are doing right now so it's a individual practice and individually we are responsible for each and everything that we do so the accumulation of meritorious deeds do not excuse by the sake of recognition like imagine that you you believe that you belong into this particular group or you are buddhist and because of that or because i am a buddhist nothing will happen to me no the recognition your identity um, your beliefs will not create such a environment it's your action your words your actions and your mentality mainly the intention if you go to the deepest level that is intention so if you have done something with intention the resource is there if you ha- if you are doing something now with intention you are creating uh, unwholesome or wholesome karma that's why we always have to pay attention to the present moment and look at what is going on right now in our mind and monitor each and every action with mindfulness so that is very important for us to practice especially if you are developing meditation and it's very important for us to look uh, how those monks practice how those lay people practice during lord buddha's time it's not not only about dedication like in in buddhist practice if you can see dedication is very important it's very important effort that you put is very important but not always dedication and effort is the most important sometime wisdom is also important level of effort you put without wisdom will be higher and with the wisdom you can put little effort get the same resource same apply to the concentration if you have a high level of concentration you can put less level of effort and reach the same amount of wisdom and if you have low level of concentration you have to put high level of effort to reach the same amount of wisdom so there are a lot of facts to balance have you heard about the faculty knowledge you know indriya saddha virya sati samadhi and panya there are five indriyas are there five faculties are there so it's about balancing the faculties it's about applying the correct faculty on the correct time 
there are some situations, there are some uh, scenarios that we have to apply the factor or the or the ability of sadha, faith. Uh, even though that we use the word faith, it's a little bit beyond that. You know, the word faith is not exact uh, the correct word for sadha. Sadha is more like you develop a knowledge based on your experience and based on the knowledge of Lord Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. So if you have an understanding about, proper understanding about Lord Buddha and Dhamma and Sangha based on the qualities, then that's the Shraddha. It's a knowledge-based belief system. It's not just just faith or blind belief. Shraddha is more like knowledge-based beliefs. So you believe something based on the knowledge and understanding, not based on anything else, not because of fear, not because of someone have forced you to believe so. No, that's not Shraddha then. So that's the faculty. Then sila, uh, virya is the effortfulness. So sometimes uh, your effortfulness is important for you to apply in this, to, to find, find solution for some scenarios. And sometimes it's important to find mindfulness, especially like monitoring your present moment and monitoring about your mindfulness, monitoring about your uh, wholesome and unwholesome deeds and find out whether your mind is working properly with the proper intention or you're doing the wrong thing with the wrong intention. For those things, it's important for us to find out the uh, mindfulness, be mindful about the moment. So third faculty is mindfulness. Fourth faculty is concentration. And fifth faculty is wisdom. So these are the sadha, virya, sati, samadhi, and panya. So the person who balances the faculty properly will be able to balance their life and stay happily and stay with enough relaxation to practice meditation into a higher level. So I'd like to share this meritorious deeds of today's discussion with all of you. And may all of you develop meditation into a better level and be happy, healthy, peaceful and content and reach the ultimate bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Okay, now is the time for us to ask questions. If you don't have any questions, we can share meritorious deeds and end the program. Uh, thank you, thank you, Bonte. Uh, so we'll first take a question from the floor, and then we'll um, take one question online um, and step through in that manner. Um, so if anyone has a question, um, Sri Juth is kindly grabbing the microphone. So come up and um, um, ask away. So we might take a question from online first. Um, just give me one second. So we have uh, one question here, Bhante. Um, if desires fade away through meditation and life experiences, does that lead to emptiness? Uh, I didn't hear that. Can you repeat it? If you desire? Uh, <coughs> If desires fade away through meditation and life experiences, does that lead to emptiness? Emptiness. Mm. Uh, <clears throat> like when you look into the first, ma- the the three main uh, factors that create the unwholesomeness, that is ragades and moha. Mm. We can say simply, you can understand that as uh, attachment-based mental factors. 
and anger-based mental factors and delusions. So there are levels, like as an example, before you reach the first attainment, Sotapanna level, you will not reduce any anger, delusion or attachment-based mental factors permanently. You will suppress them. So until you reach the first level of attainment, Sotapanna level, you will suppress these unwholesome factors based on the wholesome factors. When you develop wholesome qualities, when you develop wholesome factors, you will manage to suppress them for some time. And then, until and unless you suppress them, until and unless you settle them down, mostly I would like to use the word settle down, not suppress. Suppression is more like a, you know, you're putting them down, but it can come anytime. No, it's more like a settle down, you're settled. Because if you have like a very good meditation, like a stable concentration levels and all, then you can settle down some, some unwholesome deed for a while. That doesn't mean that they're totally gone. So if you lose the concentration, or if you lose the practice, they can come back again. But the person who reached the first attainment will reduce type of delusion, ditti. And because of that, there will be little effect on the attachments and anger, but not permanent as well. When you go to the next level, Sakadagami level, you will reduce most of the uh, anger and attachment, but delusion will be there. Uh, and then you will be like, you know, partially free from most of the unwholesome factors. When you reach the Anagami level, you'll eradicate all the anger and all the desire-based mental factors. So still you're Anagami. So we stop there for that question because the question asks if the desire specifically. Yes, so if you look at the desire, just by reducing desire and delusion is there, then there's a possibility person is not an Arahanta still. There's a possibility the person who reduced desire is an Anagami and still he have delusion. Anagami person can have the delusion, the third attainment. Only the Arahantas who reach the noble emptiness or reach the enlightenment will reduce all three desires, all three uh, mental factors. So they don't have delusion as well. So in that case, if you reduce all, all type of anger-based mental factors, attachment-based mental factors, and delusion-based mental factors, then if the, all the desires are totally gone, totally eradicated, then only we can consider as that person have reached that ultimate level of Nibbana, also can, exit, uh, also can explain as the emptiness, uh, noble emptiness in that level, Arahanta's level. And before that, uh, you can control, of course you can control, you can reduce, you can settle, that will be temporary. But even though the temporary, sub, uh, temporary settlement or temporary settling or cooling off uh, your desires and everything will give a lot of benefits. It will help you because it will help. That's, that's really beneficial for the, most of the meditators who meditate, meditate with us. They say that when they start practicing, like, you know, when they start practicing satisfaction and simplicity, like, you know, sometimes, sometimes they like to go for like minimalistic lifestyle. Sometimes they like to be like more, you know, practice apichata, you know, like being simple, simple and uh, easy. Then they, then they say that they, they have less desires now. They have less attachments now. And because of that, easy for them to practice. It's like a practical, uh, like practical things that we can see from our from our uh, practitioners. And also, they say that when they like, you not know, try to ignore the 
thinks that they get angry most of the time, it's easy for them to meditate more because their mind is more peaceful. Now the anger-based mental factors are not disturbing them anymore. So even though before the attach, before the enlightenment level, before the attainment level, in the normal general level also, there's a huge benefit even if you manage to settle you, settle down your desire, that you may reach the ordinary type of emptiness, not the noble emptiness to reach the enlightenment, but they will experience kind of emptiness, kind of happy and uh, uh, relaxed environment around you. Thank you, Bhante. Uh, are there any questions from the floor? If you can't get up to use the microphone, I'm happy to repeat the question to Bhante online. Oh, good morning, Bhante. Thank you for your talk. Um, my question is, you mentioned about wrong friendship and how those two, can, could it be due to, related to karma? Mm, also possible. There's a possibility. <laughs> maybe, maybe they have uh, not really good karma to be friends forever. But actually, at the, at the end, they became friends. They became friends and they start practicing together. Possible, of course. Because I feel that it might be due to karma. Also possible. There's a possibility that Lord Buddha haven't explained that exactly. There can be multiple possibilities are there. Karma also can be one possibility that you fall into wrong friends uh, group and then you uh, ended up in the wrong end. It's also possible. Well, it's like relationship, isn't hmm. it? Karma. Uh, oh, but not necessarily. Like, like in Buddhism, we don't say everything is because of karma. There's a possibility. Because sometimes, like, uh, if you, it's, it's sometimes difficult. We have to analyze the relationship. Sometimes the relationship is because, not because of karma, because of the way we treat each other. So, if everything is perfect, like, imagine if both parties are treating each other perfectly, they, they really maintain the, the law of friendship and law of relationship perfectly, even though they can't be friends, then maybe there's a karma involvement. But mostly, if you look into the, in, in general, I can see uh, relationships are uh, fading away because of our actions. It can be words, actions, and mentalities. Uh, but karma also can be there. Thank you, Bhante. Are there any more questions from the floor? We might take one more question online. Um, okay. Uh, so... There's a question uh, a practitioner has asked here online, um, and they're asking the difference between meditation and samaditi. Well, samaditi is the correct view. Or like, if you look at the the technique of meditation, word meditation, uh, then anyone can meditate. It's like with or without samaditi, with or without the correct view or correct vision. Uh, you can meditate. So, Noble Eightfold Path is explained by Lord Buddha. Only a person who practiced the pathway towards Nibbana would go through Samaditi and Samasankappa, Samavacha and Eightfold Path. Not a person who uh, develop other type of meditation. So, meditations can be there. Like as an example, I mentioned way before Lord Buddha was enlightened, way before Lord Buddha was born into this world, as a Prince Siddhartha, people practiced meditation. They did not even heard about Samaditi or any type of 
knowledge about the no uh, correct view or vision so then those days people practice meditation not only that they reach the ultimate uh, uh, stable meditation levels stable concentration levels we call jhana so meditation is mainly if you try to settle down your mind or if you try to analyze based on your mind and find peace based on that that's meditation so meditation can be a lot of things right some people recognize swimming as a meditation some people recognize diving as a meditation some people recognize uh, walking as a meditation so lot of things can be a meditation so in the buddhist meditation that's why we have specific techniques in that so when you if you believe that buddhist meditation is suitable for you and you're practicing and you believe that yes i i can reach the stable level based on meditation then that is the samadhi then that is the correct view so that is the correct view that you're practicing so you have the view you have the vision this practice or this path will bring me to a stable level with that trust with that belief you practice but that belief should be based on knowledge not based on anything else and if that is based on knowledge if that is based on facts then you have you are a person with the samadhi and you meditate thank you bante um i think we'll leave the questions um uh, there for now but um if you want to join us for the lunch dana um please make your way across to the um near the kitchen thank you share the meritorious deeds <clears throat> would like to share the merits of today's discussion with uh, all the monks in the world and all the deities and all the meditation practitioners who participate today and all the listeners who join online and may all of you share these meritorious deeds and all the living beings in the world and all the past relatives and all of you share these meritorious deeds and be happy healthy peaceful and content and reach the ultimate bliss of nibbana sadhu 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 etavata cham hehi sambhatam punya sampadam sabe deva anumodantu sabe bhuta anumodantu sabe satha anumodantu sabha sampatti siddhiya idam me jnatinam hotu sukita hontu jnatayo idam me jnatinam hotu sukita hontu jnatayo idam me jnatinam hotu sukita hontu jnatayo idam me punyam asavakhya vahang hotu सब दुखा पमुझतु साधु साधु साधु